In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are now in the third week of Lent, this third Sunday of Lent. And as we go along, right, we are traveling in the desert, if you remember with Jesus. As we're traveling through the desert, we're walking with him, and we realize something, right? We realize that there is going to be a certain amount of frustration, and these frustrations can kind of come in various ways, depending upon what our life is, right? It's very individual to each and one of us, but there's going to be frustrations. In the readings today, there's nothing but frustrations is the common theme, right? Here's a frustration with God and his people in the story of Noah, right? He's frustrated with his people, and here he is. He commands Noah. Noah trusts him, and he builds an ark, and here he is. He's saved from the impending destruction, right? In the second letter, we see St. Paul, who doesn't know what's going on. It's kind of a tongue twister. What I do do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do do. I don't know what's going on in my life. Here is the sin that keeps pervading my life. Here is the sin that I can't seem to break out of, right? And so here is this frustration in St. Paul. Here is Jesus, who's talking to his disciples, speaking to them, telling them how he's going to be delivered by his own people, by the scribes and the Pharisees, given to the Romans. And he's going to die an awful death to be scourged. To be whipped bloody. He tells them of his death, his resurrection. He tells them these things. And here he is discouraged because the people who are going to make up the church, the twelve apostles, right? What happens right afterwards? They begin to ask, hey, when you make your kingdom, can I have that power of authority? Can I have this seat and that seat and this and that? And Jesus is frustrated. He must be frustrated, right? Here I am talking to you about the kingdom of God. Here I am talking to you about these important things. And you're missing the point. You're not understanding. You are to understand that a life with Christ means that we persevere through the frustrations. A life with Christ means that as we journey through Lent, there's going to be setbacks. But not to be disappointed in those setbacks. Not to lose all hope, not to just throw up our hands in the air and say, this is too difficult, I'm going to move on. But to learn from those frustrations. Right? Lent is about a springtime. Lent literally means, it's an old English word for a new springtime. Here we are, we're going through, right? We're going through the season, we're going through winter, and, you know, being in Michigan, some days it's, it's like 50 degrees, some days it's snowing, some days it's whatever, right? But springtime is near, springtime is coming, and this is, this Lent, as we journey through this Lent, we journey through the new life that we are to receive when we focus on those frustrations of life. When we focus on those frustrations of life and say to Jesus, why is it that I keep falling into these things, right? Life is always going to be full of frustrations. There is no shortage of it. You know, on a very basic level, right? You go out to the grocery store, and, you know, yesterday I was out shopping, right, at, at and uh, just kind of stock you up for the month. And usually what used to be kind of just a very simple shopping visit, you look at that, you're like, that row is like four bucks, this row is like five bucks, right? How is it that a person, a normal person is supposed to live nowadays? There's a frustration with that, but such is life, right? For all those who are, who are experiencing kind of problem with finances, right? There's always going to be a frustration with that. Maybe business is not going so well, maybe the cost of everything has risen up. How is it that a person is supposed to make a living? Frustrations with trying to kind of form a healthy relationship based on Jesus Christ. Between spouses, in the family, there's going to be frustrations with that. 
Maybe someone's divorced and there's wounds from that. Maybe someone's widowed, there's, there's frustrations that come from that. There's always going to be frustrations. Frustrations of school, whether you're in you know, elementary school trying to learn just basic math, the alphabet, things of that nature, or whether you're in college and you have to deal with crazy professors and crazy ideas and whatever it might be. Frustrations are all around us and there is no shortage of it. Hmm? Frustration of, of uh, being with family, frustration with pride, frustration with sin, frustration with gossip, fr frustration with anger, frustration with all these things. These things that continue to pile up and how is it, Lord, that I get rid of these things? I just want to follow you. I just want to follow you. It requires us to take a step back. It requires us, as we move deeper into the desert, to take these frustrations and bring them to God. One practice that I really love is what's called the examination of conscience, right? Examining your mind at the end of the day. Lord Jesus, here is where I did well today. Lord Jesus, here is where I did not do so well. We need to bring those things to prayer. We need to bring those things to prayer because it teaches us one central thing. It teaches us to love God more and more. Lent is about a time of perseverance. And remember, it's not just a one time and done. It's not just, I'm going to get through these 40 days. And after I get through these, these days of Lent, after Easter, I'll kind of get back onto where I was. No, no, remember, it's a change of the mind to always fight against sin to really bring those sins to the forefront, not hide them. Don't put them behind you. Don't try to hide them in a dark room of your heart and just kind of lock it away and that's about it. No, 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 no. When you're in the desert, there's nowhere to hide. There's no caves. There's nowhere to hide your sin. You come face to face with your sin, you are going to deal with it. Deal with your sins so that when it comes time for spring, you have a new life that Jesus has promised you. So here it is. We're dealing with the frustration. We're dealing with the frustration. Every day we should be asking ourselves, Lord Jesus, why is it I can't get over my sins? Why can't I be living a more humble life? Why is it I can't be living a more simple life? Why can't I seem to be getting over gossip? Why can't I seem to just forgive that person? Why can't I let your love rule in my heart? Every day we should be asking ourselves that question. Today, in the, today's reading, the second reading, St. Paul famously says, right, if you go home and just read Romans 7, one of my favorite readings, you read Romans 7, and St. Paul doesn't know what's going on. You even read it, it's a tongue twister, right? He says, for, so then it is no longer I that do, that do it, but which sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. He's confused. He's frustrated. But look how he ends this letter. Look how he ends the letter. Wretched man that I am, I'm so terrible. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He ends it with Jesus. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Put those things on Jesus. Jesus today is calling us, right? He's calling us to put more trust in him. He puts trust in us. We see today's gospel. We see him talking to the sons of Zebedee, right? And he says, are you able to drink my cup? Here are these two that come up to him. Are you able to drink my cup? And they say, yes, we're able. 
after this discussion, right, the, the other ten disciples are like, what are they asking for? I want, a, I want a position of power too. How is it they could even ask this stuff? Why is it they're even asking this? He's frustrated with them. This is, by the way, the greatest act of faith, I think, in the church. If you go down the history of the church 2,000 years, it's filled with priests and bishops and everything that try to destroy the church from within. 200 years ago, there was a great uh, French uh, conqueror. His name is Napoleon. And he conquered the Vatican, he conquered Rome, he conquered most of Europe, a lot of Europe. And one day he gets into a very frustrating debate with a cardinal bishop. And he says to the cardinal, don't you know I have the power to destroy the church? I can destroy the church today if I want. The cardinal says, this is 200 years ago, he says, your majesty, me, the Catholic clergy, the bishops and the priests have been trying to destroy the church for the past 1800 years, and it hasn't happened. Why do you think you can do that? There's an act of faith that it's not... And here are the apostles today who are fighting over the silliest of things. This religion should not have lasted for more than 2,000 years with so many people who are trying to fight for things. But guess what? We place our hope in the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that guides the church. And for me personally, when I think of the church, that is proof enough to say that the Holy Spirit is what leads this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How beautiful. Jesus still puts his trust in man, even though we're sinners, even though we don't deserve it. He still puts his faith in us. The Holy Spirit is working in the church. Continue to follow the church. Continue to follow what has been set before you. Continue to place your trust in the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, he'll guide you through everything. Guide you through everything. My brothers and sisters, God is calling you to persevere. God is calling you to, to grow in patience, perseverance, and he's asking you to grow in trust of him. James and John do drink of the cup, the cup of the suffering of Jesus. James is the first one to die. He's asked on the moment, do you believe in Christ? He says, yes. Do you renounce him? He says, no. And he dies for Jesus at that very moment. At that very moment, he dies for Jesus. It's very easy to die a martyr's death, right? It's very easy at that moment to say, I'm choosing for Jesus, to die a martyr's death, and to go see Jesus who is in heaven, right? That promised reward. John is the only one out of the 12 apostles who does not die a martyr's death, but lives to the age of 100, we're told. 100. He also drinks of the cup of the suffering of Jesus, but what is that cup for him? It's a little different. It's each and every day he has to say no to sin and say yes to Jesus. That is a more difficult death. Death to self each day. Each day you're called, right? There's not many times when you're going to be asked to renounce your faith in Jesus or die. Most of us are going to die a death like John. A natural death. But each and every day we have to die to our sin, die to ourselves, and to trust in the Holy Spirit that everything I am being led to leads me to life. Everything I am being led to through the desert will lead me to a springtime of my life so that I can experience the life that Jesus wants me to have and to experience to the fullest. Trust in the church's ways. Trust the church is leading you to Jesus. And trust that Jesus is leading you through the desert to face your sins, to place them in the Holy Spirit, to place them upon the altar, and to rid yourself of these distractions, of these things that lead to death and only death. 
and instead focus on those things that lead to life and life eternal. Amen?